Welcome to Taking Back Birth, a podcast for women who know the truth about birth and those who want to explore the path of radical birth love. I'm your host, Marin Green. Taking Back Birth celebrates the power you have to make decisions in alignment with your own truth. Decisions not subject to anyone else's authority. Decisions that create experiences that will change your life. Taking Back Birth is a production of the Indie Birth Private Contract Association and IndieBirth.org. No material on this podcast should be considered medical advice. Birth is not a medical event. Welcome to Podcast Saturday, the very first from Kentucky. I left off last podcast with a final and farewell goodbye to Sedona out on the land. And I thought it was appropriate, not really by the way I was planning it, but just the way things are feeling, that I share a little bit about how our trip went and how the connection with the land here is going. I didn't really expect this to be the first podcast here. In fact, I had no idea what was going to come to mind today. But we've been here nearly two weeks And while I don't have an office, we have a fantastic house where I've set up this microphone, hoping to not be interrupted, but I've got a gorgeous view of some mountains or hills. Honestly, I need to find out what they are out our backyard here. A whole lot of land, a whole lot of green, and some beautiful trees and bushes and flowers It's just so peaceful. I'm really feeling so amazed and so humbled and so grateful that somehow after all of these months, this is the result. This is the reward. This is the fruits of labor after looking and searching and hoping and praying that we would have a place to call home after Sedona was so clearly shoving us out. So let's start with the road trip. I won't take too much time recapping that because really, what can you say? 26 hours, a little bit more maybe, in the car with nine out of 10 children, one older child, handled the dogs with a friend in a separate car on a kind of a separate trip, really. And that worked out great. We had a little bit of extra room in the car. We did have one main dog with us and a whole lot of driving. So there's not too much to say about it. It was just three full days and a little bit more of driving three nights, stopped at random places along the way. And it was fun. It was more fun than I thought. And it was so easy in relationship to what I thought it could be (laughs) on my worst days, imagining a 26 hour road trip with 10 children in one van and not a whole lot of fun stuff planned because of having animals with and also really wanting to get there and not making too much more out of it. So on my worst days, I thought, oh my goodness, this is going to be a nightmare. Uh, But I tried to stay positive and 
just hope for the best. I didn't really do any massive planning of any kind. I had tried to order some road trip books. That didn't happen. They weren't going to arrive in time. Uh, So I did go to Goodwill in Sedona and buy, I don't know, 50 children's books. Kept them in a box up front and passed out books a lot, especially to the younger kids. But that seemed to work. And the younger kids really didn't have anything to do otherwise. They don't have devices or anything. So they were just kind of sitting there and talking to each other and eating snacks and all of that. And really, like I said, it went amazingly well. And I don't really know how or why, except this whole experience has been blessed. And we got here safe and sound, all of us together. In fact, even our son and the dogs arrived, I think less than an hour after we did. Our moving truck and friend arrived pretty much the same time we did. So all three of us on this separate but combined trip were really on the same wavelength. The other two guys, the moving truck guy and the dog guy, they didn't even take the same route as us. So we weren't really caravanning, but we all wound up here at exactly the same time. And that was amazing. It was what I had been dreaming of and hoping for and really what was motivating me at least to get here, which was driving up to this property for the first time. Many of you know, I'm sure that we did not come here first. We did not see this house and land that we bought. And many people would think that was crazy, but we knew it was the right choice for us. And we knew we were going to love it. It was so exciting though, to drive up this driveway, to see it, in real life, not photos, not over FaceTime, and to run into the house, exploring all of it separately, but together. And really, it was even more amazing than I thought. Even more. And I was like a kid, really, kid in a candy shop, running around with them too, seeing all of the things that I was waiting to see, the kitchen, how the bedrooms were set up. We had made a couple of changes prior to getting here and had some people work on the house. So all of this was on my mind as one of the most exciting things ever to get to. And it did not disappoint. This house is amazing. It's older. It needs work for sure. But it's really cozy. It's really comfortable. It really has great energy. And that was kind of surprising just because I didn't really know how that would be. Not that you can't work with energy or clear it or whatever, but I really didn't know from the people living here before how that would be. I didn't know what state it would really be in or the house or the land would be in. And again, it really surpassed all of my expectations. Everything, well, I can't say that. Everything was functional upon arrival except... Da, 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 the air conditioning. And yes, uh, it is hot, or it was at least the week we arrived. Very humid and hot. And we're no stranger to hot, of course, having come from Arizona, but the humidity was somewhat new. I've experienced it, but the kids had not. So we did not have air in this house for the first three days. And that was a little rough, but it made it all the much sweeter when it did get repaired. 
and we were finally cool in our own house. So that move in was kind of funny. We had a lot of very sweaty people, <laughs> uh, you know, moving stuff in. Um, but they were so great. We had so many friends um, that had come with, you know, to help us. And so really the moving in was accomplished so fast. And I guess that's normally how it is, right? The move out takes a longer, longer time. And the planning of the truck, which people also did in Sedona, was also so grateful for that. But here it was just stuff out and stuff in. And it was done in, I think, two hours. So other than being hot, it was a beautiful thing to be here. It was a beautiful thing to start unpacking. Um, Unpacking, I think, is fun. And it's something I always do really fast. I'm not one of those people that leaves boxes sitting around for weeks. It drives me crazy. So very quickly, we unpacked and anything we weren't using, we have a nice basement for. And so the house really looked very lived in almost immediately, other than having left some furniture behind. Uh, So we don't have a whole lot in the house. But everybody has a room uh, with other kids, you know, mostly they claim their spots and that all went so smooth, which I also was not sure about. I wasn't making any promises to the kids about where they might be because I had to see it first and see the sizes of the rooms and, you know, how they were set up. So everybody got a room and a roommate pretty much. And everybody's super happy with that. There has been no complaints. Um, Everybody's room seems perfect for them and they're happy with their roommate and I'm happy. If, if everyone's happy, then I'm happy. And I've been happy. I actually didn't think I would do a podcast like this already about the land and the house and the connection because I thought, well, that'll take some time. And while it will still take some time, I can't believe it's only been two weeks because this feels like home. It feels like home. And there's no shame in shedding tears over missing things or people. But I haven't. I haven't shed any. And I'm not saying the kids all feel that way. I think they're having a rougher time in a sense um, because, I don't know, just because they're kids and they've kept in touch with some friends who they the friends don't have that much going on in Sedona. So, you know, there's a lot of talking on the phone. There's a lot of that right now, which we're just kind of let, letting happen. But for me, yes, I miss the couple of good friends I have. I still talk to them, so it all feels pretty normal. And I'm used to having really close people far away. Margot's a great example. So I guess it feels normal to me in some ways. And the house just feels like home. And the land feels like home. I haven't once shed a tear or missed Sedona or the Red Rocks or I don't know. I mean, I could make a list of more negative things I definitely don't miss, but um, I don't miss it. I don't miss it. I don't miss the energy there. I'm so grateful for the lessons that I was shown and taught. But the energy there is very different. And it feels like we just can relax. Even today, Jason and I went out to the Berea uh, Craft Festival, which is a pretty big event here, we've learned. And we've never been, of course. And it was super crowded, way more than I thought it would be here. But it was so relaxed. People are relaxed. They're walking around slowly. I know anybody that lives in this part of the country would agree. And I was told this, and I've lived in this part of the country before. Life just happens at a slower pace. And it's really something to get used to 
if you're a more aggressive type and having grown up in New York, I would say that can be true about me. Um, just kind of like this rushing mentality, which I think I've chilled out about, but still it shocks me being around people that are just moving so slowly and not in a rush and you know, there's nowhere to get, they're just living. So that's been such a welcome change. And like I said, there is not a whole lot of missing going on for Sedona, for Arizona, for the Southwest from me or Jason for that matter. Um, and I think the younger kids who are very much more in the moment of everything. Love it. They love it. They've been playing outside almost all day long. We have like a little playground that the people here left. So they're on that a lot. The property is so safe. Um, There is a busy road, but we're so far from it that there's really nothing they can hurt themselves on. There's nowhere to go that's dangerous. So they can just roam And they're really staying pretty close anyway, because that's what they're used to. But the dogs as well, the dogs and the kids really have freedom and they're not abusing that. The animals have been great. I thought the dogs would freak out, you know, having acres to roam on, but they're not. They're very close to the house most often. And I think they're enjoying running around on the grass and having that be a whole new thing that most of them have never seen. So kids and dogs they have not seen grass. And that is a huge change. So all in all, it is perfect. It is about as, excuse me, perfect as perfect can be. And no regrets. It was absolutely the most perfect move for us. And I know that now for sure, because I'm here and it feels right. The energy feels right. The expansiveness of this place feels right. I don't feel constricted in any kind of way like I did in Sedona. And it just feels wide open, literally and figuratively. It's wide open for relaxing, for being present, for exploring and creating. And I'm so happy. I really am. I'm so grateful that we get to call this home for hopefully a really, really really long time. That's the plan. And I'm really grateful that at least my younger kids um, will have a chance to grow up here and, and probably won't really remember the other life we used to be living. Um, This will become their normal, you know, Rumi, he won't remember, I'm sure anything about Arizona. And this is his new norm. So uh, he was just out on the field with me and ever Ever is seven and she's very quickly become so much more adventurous. I mean, she always was, but even more adventurous and excited about nature, which I won't lie. It makes my heart so happy, not just as a mom, but as a woman, as a person, like one of my kids. And I have a few more probably, but Ever is the most honestly and sincerely excited about all of it, putting her feet on the earth, um, exploring the plants and the trees and the flowers. I think she was the one that found the blackberry bushes in the back of our property and was so excited. Um, She's the one that found the like tiny little mock strawberries and got excited. Uh, She's the one that was just out there picking lemon balm and wants to make a tea out of it. So I am so thrilled that 
that's the opportunity here. And they may not all take it. They may not all want it. And that's fine. But as someone that really values this kind of stuff and always wished that I had dug deeper, like literally with my feet when I was a kid, um, it makes me so happy to see some of my children really enjoying what this property has to offer. And she's curious and excited about learning how to communicate with nature, which, you know, that was the last podcast, just me communicating with the land that I had the honor of living near and sort of on, I mean, not, not as much on as here, but like it was nearby Thunder Mountain and Rumi's Cave and all these places that were personal to me. And to have that here on our personal land, to not have to go anywhere to explore it and to see the connection that's possible uh, with a child has just made me more childlike. It has made me want to do those things that maybe I didn't get to do as a kid, but I'm super interested in. Uh, So I always joke or, you know, I've joked at least to my family and they know this, that planting things has been hard for me. And I think that's a lot to do with the soil in Arizona. Uh, We didn't have great luck gardening there. And I think many people don't. And many people are great at it. But it was really hard the last couple of seasons when we tried. And it felt so demoralizing, right, to try to grow in soil that really isn't fertile. And gosh, we spent so much money last year on organic soil and, and plants and all kinds of things. And it really didn't produce anything, especially for the amount of people that we have. So to be in a place where blackberries are just growing freely and we have the hugest pear tree to the side of our yard, um, the pears are not ready. In fact, Ever and I just checked them out and they're still really hard, but she even asked, what can we do with all the pears? So she will be my little green witch helper. And I know we're going to have so much fun. And I'm sure some of the other kids will get involved too. I think the younger girls aren't as aware, but they're super eager to help. So whatever it is, um, you know, whatever we're doing, they want to do. And some of the older girls like Amelia, this isn't new to her. So she understands herbs, Um, you know, she's used to making infusions and stuff, but we've never had plants that we've actually harvested from. It's always like buying organic herbs from somewhere, for example. So, um, one really cool connective thing that we did just before I started this podcast. Oh, and there's a little chipmunk as I speak. We have this little chipmunk that lives in this hole right near, um, the back of our yard. And we see him or her all of the time. I think Deva calls him Mr. Big Cheeks or something like that. It's pretty cute, but he's out running around. Uh, So right before I started this podcast, something we've had on our list, Ever and I, uh, was to harvest, she wanted to harvest lemon balm for tea, and I wanted to harvest some clover. We have so much clover. And there are a lot of plants I don't recognize and a lot of trees and shrubs. I have no idea what they are, but I do know clover. I think most people do, and we have tons of it. You know, it's summertime here, and this whole back field, and probably in the front too, although the back field is more wild, um, just tons and tons of white clover. So she had been reminding me we needed to do it, 
and it rained most of today, so we didn't get out there quite yet. But right before this podcast, I said to her, yeah, let's go do it. And it was so fun. You know, we sat Rumi down on the ground, get him his earth time. Uh, He hasn't been feeling that well, but I think it's just transition. He's really sensitive to energy and to my energy. Um, He just turned eight months. And so he's been kind of whiny and clingy and all of that, but just set him on the earth. If I get him on the earth, just sit his little butt down and he gets to chew on some grass and, you know, run his fingers through the grass and hold a stick he is 10 times happier. He is so much happier. So it was nice to uh, let him. Oh, something is on me here. Yeah, it was nice to let him do that while we picked our clover. And he also chewed on some clover, which if you don't know, is great for blood purifying. So I was explaining to Ever that we would harvest some to make tea and we could dry that if we wanted. But also we were just going to probably harvest a lot more over the next few weeks just because it doesn't grow in the winter. So just basics, you know, basic plant stuff. Some uh, Most things don't grow in the winter. So whatever you want to harvest in the spring or summer you can then dry and use as medicine. And so I just, again, love that she is so receptive and open. And to me, that's that's also part of just this idea of homeschooling. It's not anything formal. Um, it's like, let's just learn how to live more closely to the earth. And let's teach our kids what we do know. There's so much I don't know. But the basics that I do know, ooh, we got some thunder too. Um, I want to share with her. And so she helped me pick the clover and we were mindful of the bees, you know, not to disrupt what they were using the clover for and um, asking permission of the land, which was another thing that I've been talking to her about, you know, that this, this is our land, but it's not our land. We don't own land. People can't have it, you know, even though we think we can real estate wise, this is not ours. It never was, it never will be. And there have been people and creatures and uh, spirit creatures and elements and, you know, all sorts of things that have inhabited this land for as long as the land's been here and that that will continue after we're gone. So she's the kind of kid that can take in big concepts like that. She's really, really mature And so she gets it, you know, she gets that and she gets the respect aspect. So we definitely left an offering today and that was partly her idea, but a little bit of mine too. I just said, hey, what can we give back if we're going to pick all this clover today and make our medicine from it? um, What can we give back? And she said, I know I have an offering. I have an offering for the fairies. So she brought out a little cup of water and some blueberries and some cherries and left them on the field. And she said, we'll give them a few days with that. (laughs) And it was really cute. Um, Side note, Cove thinks her name is White Clover. (laughs) Uh, We have these fun fairy books and I can't remember the name of them right now, but thanks to Jill, wonderful Jill, who was in my witchery class, uh, which was a huge impetus actually for 
well, not even impetus. It was just like the perfect timing to teach that witchery class and then also inspire myself and be inspired by these other women uh, like Jill and so many other women in the class to live this more, to not just teach it, to not just talk about it, but to actually live it. And I had to come here to do that. I know that. So the timing was beyond perfect. It was, you know, synchronistic to the max. So we have these fun fairy books where all of the flowers have beautiful, I think they were, you know, at one time watercolor paintings probably of fairies. And, you know, they're, they're like little people, but there's a little poem that goes with each flower. And as soon as Cove, and this was many weeks ago before you even got here, as soon as she saw the white clover fairy, she said, that's me. That's me. And it does look like her. And uh, the kids sometimes call her Clover, which is funny and cute. So whenever you ask her now what her name is, instead of saying Kofi, like she used to, she says, White Clover Fairy. I am the White Clover Fairy. (laughs) So it was even cuter and more meaningful that we harvested a bunch of White Clover today. And so we're waiting for it to dry. And Ever's going to, I assume, wait for her lemon balm to dry and we'll make some tea and probably dry a whole bunch more if we can to use some other time. Rumi was also enjoying chewing on the lemon balm so uh, you know definitely there are plants and flowers that you don't want kids to lick or chew but knowing what they are obviously makes that irrelevant and I think there's really great minerals and all of that for even a baby, um, assuming they don't choke, of course, but good soil, good bacteria, and then the energy, the energy of these plants and flowers, which totally want to heal us. So as ever, and I were checking the pear tree today, as we were walking over there, I said to her something like, you're so smart. Like, you know, that all of these things practically have uses and that if you ever need them, if someone's ever sick or, you know, you ever need anything, that it's all here, that you can help heal people with everything that is on the earth. And again, she totally gets it. So we've had so much fun. We went on another nature hike together the other day. And um, to add an element of like, <laughs> you know, 2021 to it, I have this fun app on my phone, which I totally would recommend to decipher what plants and flowers and all of that you're looking at. Uh, The app, I believe, is called Picture This, and I think there's a lot of them, and it is a paid app, but it is totally worth it. This app has been fantastic. You just point it, point it at the flower or leaf or whatever, and within seconds, it identifies what it is, and it's been correct literally every time. So that's been really fun. Even though she's learning, Ever's learning to read, um, she likes to go around the yard and snap photos and then bring them in and we talk about what they are. The app isn't great for talking about how to use the herbs medicinally. It's more like a, you know, gives the whatever species name and, and says what it is. But you can always obviously go elsewhere for obtaining the information you might want or need about how to use the plants for something. So there's a lot that I don't know. I have never seen and and may or may not be useful, actually, in a medicinal way, I'm sure. Um, but a lot of it is. So white clover is a great example. Um, let's see what else. While well, the blackberries are obvious, we have some yellow dock 
in the area and I didn't really know that plant by sight so that was fun to realize oh that's there um I'm trying to think dandelion of course tons of dandelion to make medicine from and yeah we're learning kind of as we go and exploring our yard daily there's so much to explore so it's been fun to do that and with every pass you know through a field um, we're finding new things and and learning more about all of it and bugs too I need to find a bug app we've seen some really crazy colored beetles not cicadas beetles I think of course daddy long legs um, things that we're not as used to seeing mosquitoes unfortunately and ticks so we have had a couple of ticks uh, and that's been really weird actually because we haven't found them yet and I hope we don't really but we haven't found them yet like attached to anyone but we have found two now that just get flicked off by one of the kids and it's happened to ever and Deva and and this is weird it happened to both of them in exactly the same spot in their room and I was there both times both times <laughs> to look for a tick that had fallen on the floor and I found it both times and they are gross sorry nature they're sort of horrifying they're disgusting um and, but that's been something to deal with even just energetically you know being scared not a great energy we came from the land of scorpions and we were used to it nobody was scared of finding a scorpion in their bed even though people do check their beds we never did um, people are scared to death of black widows you know i had one in my office i had many in my office but we didn't live in fear of these things and so this has been a conversation um because ticks you know they're new to us and they are gross and the fact that they latch on and the whole thing um, the kids have been kind of like wary you know and the older kids especially have been oh i don't want to play outside and 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 all of that where it's like you guys we have to live you know and you check yourself and you check your dogs and and all of that you know you do the best you can and energy is also something that things are attracted to right there's not a lot of information on that out there of course but i'm sure it does matter i'm sure your diet matters i'm sure the energy that you're exuding so i don't think i'm wrong because like i said in the case of both of the girls um they felt something on them and they just flicked it off and then like i said i had to go looking for it on the floor both times i didn't know it was a tick till i found it but ever was the first and she was like oh something's on my neck and she said mom it's a tick i don't know how she knew i think she was just maybe scared of it but she was right and that was gross but i found it um, and as you probably know i mean they don't die very easy so i squished it it doesn't really squish put both of them in a plastic bag more for fun in a sense just showing the kids like hey this is a tick <laughs> see how it won't die you know this these are not ticks that have bitten anyone recently but they're gross and if you see one on you or if you even see one on the floor or whatever like let's be aware oh man i wonder if you can hear the rain the rainstorms here are really so beautiful and the lightning bugs are out already just because it's getting darkish uh, it's really so beautiful it's almost rain foresty but of course it's not it's just very wet and that is new so yeah ticks um, if anybody was wondering, yes, I don't know if that's a lot. I don't think two tick sightings in two weeks is probably that crazy. I mean, I've read things where 
some people live places where they, you know, they can come home or they can come out of their yard with 25 on them. So uh, again, interesting though, that these were just flickable. So they really weren't attached. And, you know, of course, there's not really a risk if they haven't bitten anyone. But um, I think we are being conscientious about it, hopefully not paranoid, although I've definitely had paranoid moments just because these two ticks kind of came out of nowhere. And the thought of them just crawling around the house is extra disgusting to me. But uh, what can you do? You know, uh, we've been doing essential oils. And of course, garlic allegedly makes them not want to bite a person. But kids are my little kids are not going to too much garlic other than what's in the food. Um, and the dogs so far, I haven't noticed that they've had any, of course, their dogs and they've got a lot of fur, but they do all eat a raw diet. So I'm hoping that, you know, all of these things combined makes it so that it's not something that rules our life very much. And for better, or for worse, we get more used to it and more acclimated to it. And we don't use it as an excuse to not do things or, you know, not for me, at least not be outside or on trails. Um, I'm not really worried about it for me, I guess, you know, because obviously just check yourself if you're an adult, but there's something about, yeah, them being on kids and maybe not seeing or whatever that makes me feel a little bit more fearful, but again, fearful, not a great vibration. So I did do a ceremony on this land and it took me a week or more, and I think that's understandable, but I really didn't even feel called to do it yet. I was just consumed with packing, unpacking, and all of that. And then just the other day, uh, Rumi was eight months on the 8th, which is cool, and I had a couple of moments after dinner to go out, which honestly was not a great time because the mosquitoes were in full force, so it was an abbreviated ceremony, but I did... Um, you know, just kind of cast a circle and, and call in the elements and, and really just listen. Like I had intentions going in, you know, how I want to feel on this land and all of that. But as I sat there briefly on this blanket on the land, um, I realized that I was being asked to just listen and I was needing to ask permission from this land to even be here. You know, I mean, we are here and humans are good at just forcing their way in. But did we have permission to be here? I think in a lot of ways we did. I think in a lot of ways we were called here. We were invited here. But still sitting on the land, putting my feet on it and saying like, hi, I'm Marin. This is our family. You know, we're here in love. We're here in peace. Um, we want to know you. We want to hear you. We want to be on the receiving end of your wisdom. And I just kind of kept that thread going rather than having strong intentions for myself or for my family, other than asking the land, hey, um, we want to love you. We want to protect you. And in return, you know, would you protect us? Would you keep us safe? Would you help us make this our sanctuary, our home? And just that morning, and of course, no accident again, I've been learning to read tarot, which might sound surprising that I don't know that, but I've always felt intimidated. But after the witchery class, I really got inspired, got a really awesome deck um, called the Lightseer's Tarot. And I love this deck. It has been just like, 
magic, of course. Every day I was in the car on the road trip, I pulled a card and maybe a couple of times during the eight hours in the car and, and started that way, just getting um, familiar with the cards and, and how it's set up and all of that. And so it's really become such a beautiful tool in the last couple of weeks. And one that I very much associate with this, with this new adventure. You know, it's not an old deck. It's for this. And so the card I pulled that morning of the ceremony um and gosh, now I'm going to forget exactly which one it was, but the message was giving and receiving. I think it was the six of cups, perhaps. <clears throat> and that was in my mind and on my heart when doing this ceremony that, you know, again, it's not just asking from the land or like, I'm going to grow on this land, produce me food or, you know, we're going to build something. I don't think we're going to build anything, at least not right now. Um, but even like those kind of strong intentions as if we have any right to do that, uh, just hit me. And so it was very humbling and, and very beautiful to just sit and listen and yes, get bit <laughs> to death by mosquitoes. But actually that energy was even important for me to be like, well, there's things on this land that they live here, you know, and, and they don't necessarily have the same goals as me and if you're a mosquito your goal is to bite something so that's what they're going to do and how can we work this out and so back to the ticks that's kind of what I was feeling and thinking like hey yes ticks live here um, how can we all live peacefully you know how can we give back and and do we want to set some boundaries so I feel like I can say that um, what can we give to you land? And, and here we are listening because we don't necessarily know the answer. What do you need from us? And then can we have some things worked out? Like I don't want ticks on my kids or my dogs. I don't want them to get bit. I don't want them on them and I don't want them in the house. And that's kind of my boundary. And we'll see how that works out. Um, I don't know how mother nature feels about that because I did find another tick. Uh, so I found the first one. Then I did the ceremony. Then I found the second one, but both times, like I said, they just were flickable and, and hadn't bitten anyone. So I don't know, but it, to me, it's a conversation going with the ticks and with the, the things on this land that really do own it. And I don't, and just seeing where that goes and, and being respectful. And, you know, the experience I have with that, um, dates back to one of the first properties we did have in Arizona, actually, that was really, really hostile. So Sedona has green, green parts, but we were out a little from Sedona about, I don't know, 12 years ago. And the land was so angry. And I don't know that it was us. I think it was angry and we didn't know how to communicate. We didn't know how to talk to it. Um, you know, we didn't know how to give and it was just hard as heck. Fire ants everywhere. I remember a couple of the kids getting bit horribly or stung as the case may be with fire ants by fire ants. Um, we had just horribly prickly plants, goat heads and, and things that made the yard just unlivable for children and for growing and for pets. And we had this acre and it was like a wasteland. So I was onto it then, but I didn't really, 
know or maybe have the tools to make friends with the land and figure it out and then we weren't there very long anyway so you know I get it and I and I understand that not everywhere we want to be is where we're meant to be or you know where where the land wants us so I don't know I'm open to hearing and I hope I can listen well to this land and if there's things it needs she needs um, that we can provide that. And, and maybe it's just respect, you know, I don't know what the history has been here, but I'm one of those people that likes things to look nice, not for anybody else, but just because I'm living here and it's hard, it's hard with 10 kids. But as far as the yard goes, you know, like, of course, pick up your trash, you know, don't, don't leave things out there. Um, take care of the yard but think about it you know before you go pulling weeds um is that what you want to do you know and and that was one of the problems with the land in Arizona that I was speaking of earlier the people before us were really big on disgusting chemicals like Roundup and and really like murdering everything so the land was angry so I really want to take the time here to figure it out and you know this is wild and overgrown and I love it and we do have one neighbor and they seem very nice, but they seem much more manicured, right? So uh, weed whacking all the time and, and their yard's beautiful for sure. But it's really made me just stop and think like, how do we want to be? And what does this land need? And yeah, we don't necessarily want it to look um, like unkempt, but I think there's also something so beautiful and raw about leaving the land intact and not pulling weeds and you know yeah dandelion um is a pain to things growing but it's also medicine so i don't know it's all kind of a question mark right now there's so much rain there's so much vegetation that things are going to grow whether we like it or not and i think at some point we'll get more specific about how we want to use the land and again in conversation with her with the land um, about what those purposes might be chickens have come up as an idea and I know those are great for ticks but I don't know that I want them uh, I think eggs would be great but I really don't want chicken poop everywhere like near the house and dealing with that and chickens come in the house and I've had them so I know that this can be true not all chickens so they're either penned and then what's the point because they're not gonna find the ticks or they're roaming free which is really happy and cute other than the poop and the fact that I'm not sure my dogs will leave them alone and I really don't want to watch that or have to spend a ton of time training dogs to not kill chickens. Um, so I don't know. I think it's really too early to say because although we're unpacked, I wouldn't say we're totally settled and it's a big deal. It feels like good, serious decisions that we have to make about, again, how we use the land and if we eventually want a spot to grow things, I think that would be great. Um, and how much we want to clear of what's growing naturally. There is a rather large piece of the acreage that is just wild. Like, I don't know that I'd walk in it right now. It's super high grass, wildflowers. I mean, it's so gorgeous, but it's not usable, whatever that means to us, uh, even for play or anything, but it's really pretty. So I just am taking my time. I'm not going to go chopping anything down, um, but it's possible that 
sort of the landscape might change so that we can really, really appreciate it and utilize it and honor the land. That is my intention. First and foremost is to honor this space, this house and what's outside of the house to fully understand and appreciate that it isn't mine, although I am being given and I am so grateful, this great privilege, Jason and I both, of maintaining it, of keeping it beautiful for whoever, you know, maybe our grandchildren or or future generations, I'm not sure, but it does feel so, so important. So, so important. And again, while this idea of ownership is a facade, really, uh, for a lot of it, um, it's also really true, you know, for so long we've rented and it just didn't feel like ours and it, and it didn't feel like we were going to put in time and, and energy just for the pure reason of making something beautiful. And that is what I'm so excited to do, even though it's already so beautiful. It just doesn't even feel like it needs anything right now. It just feels welcoming and, and amazing. So we'll keep that conversation going. And I guess one final thought uh, when I was doing this ceremony out there where I wound up just listening, I did pull a card and uh, the card was from the land. And that card, I think, was, I want to say the nine of pentacles. So pentacles are earth. Nine is a, whoa, super potent number. And um, the message of that card is your wish has been granted. They call it the wish card and just be grateful. Everything you have wanted to manifest is here and look around and say thank you. And that really is kind of where I'm going to leave it today. Uh, Look around and say thank you. And I have been trying my best, of course, to be grateful every step of the way, not just here. And this is not the end. At least I hope it's not the end. Um, You know, not just here at like the the pinnacle moment of like the house, the land, like all along, the more gratitude I could put into even the unknown of where we'd be came reflecting right back at me tenfold. So I know that will be the case here. And it's a daily practice. I won't lie. So here's me just being honest and, and maybe inspiring you to do the same because I think hearing other people talk about it is one of the best reminders. Just, oh yeah, Like, look how great my life is. Um, And, you know, it's so easy to look at, especially with a new house and all of that. It's so easy to look at what needs work, what needs improvement, what needs to be different rather than like, it's perfect. I am so grateful. I deserve all of this. And I will just simply be in gratitude for it. And I will feel that. I will feel the gratitude in every cell of my body. And that is enough. Just being grateful is enough. And really, that that has been one of the most amazing lessons of this entire house journey, uh, which this is sort of the end of. I mean, like I said, this is not the end, I don't think. Many more years to come and amazing things that happen here. But for now, leaving you with this being the end of the house finding journey And all of the podcasts over the last three to four months that you've heard, you've responded to, you've held space for, for me to bring this in 
and be grateful. So I am grateful to you. So many people out there held amazing space for me. Um, people I don't know, you know, not personally. So many emails and and lovely relationships and people here in Kentucky, people in this town, um, people elsewhere in the state that have said, we're so excited you're coming here and just held space for this magic to unfold. So here ends the house finding journey here. Here it ends in Kentucky, in Berea, Kentucky, where if you had told me one year ago that I would end up here, I probably would have laughed. Um, I wouldn't have believed it. I really thought I was going to be in Sedona sort of forever doing the same thing. Um, And this feels just right. It feels like a timeline has shifted. Like I jumped off. We all jumped off this old timeline of Sedona life and we jumped onto this new one and it's just where we should be. It's perfect. And it's really such a gift. So thanks for following this journey. I can see now why this wound up to be the podcast today. It is only right that I kind of summarized it all and gave you all um, this beautiful conclusion to just hold, not for me, but even for yourself, that these journeys were on all amount to something at some point, right? We don't know when, we don't know what, but keeping the faith, uh, being grateful, and holding the feeling of what we really, really want. And that's what happened. So thanks for listening. I will catch you all up sometime soon with more birth talk. Uh, Hopefully as time goes on, there'll be more to talk about here. But I do have some exciting things brewing. Now that my timelines have shifted and I jumped off the Sedona train, there's been all kinds of new things coming in about gift economy and how I want to serve this community. A lot of I have been brainstorming with you on podcasts, uh, redefining midwifery and midwifery as a spiritual practice. Um, These have all been stepping stones. And I think I'm still on a stepping stone, but I'm on a a bigger stone right now of some concrete material ideas I'm wanting to put into practice in the community here and just see how it responds. So that is what's happening. Um, Other than that, we are enrolling for the Indie Birth Midwifery School all of the time. So IndieBirthMidwiferySchool.org is where you can check that out. I am considering doing another round of Witchery 101 because it was so fantastic to do and inspired me a lot and gave me a lot of um, my own focus and all of that. So I'm considering it. It's July here, but I might run one in August or September, depending on interest. So you can always let me know if you're interested. And if it seems like people are into it, I'll do it sooner than later. All right. Thanks so much for listening. Have a beautiful week.